Hey, just a quick heads up. This is Insecure Space episode 16, but it was actually recorded before episode 15, just so that you know and don't get confused or anything, because this recording is from the 3063. Um, and we talk about not just the conference itself, but also the batch project we took on. That's why I'm sitting down with Cody and Briggs, a friend who was not on a podcast before, but worked with uh, me. We will all discuss in the podcast. Um, but yeah, we all work together on this batch project. And that's what we are talking about at 2 a.m. on the last evening of the conference in uh, my hotel room. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I hope to cut it together to be a bit more enjoyable because yeah, we were all very tired. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Today we are talking about 3063 Congress, about the experience we had, what we learned from the Congress, what we did on Congress. And I believe it was your first Congress, Cody. What do you think about it? So I've done a couple DEF CONs and I have never been to Congress before. So I kind of thought I knew what I would uh, be able to expect going into it because I've been to conferences before. I know what it's like to even try to do an event there. But what I found was um, Congress was chaotic in a way that I wasn't expecting. It had tons of different things that were much more hands-on and much more kind of um, allowed for regular people to take on than at DEF CON where it's a little bit more structured. So while at first I thought it was a little bit intimidating to not be able to just go to a particular room that has all the stuff I'm interested in right there kind of labeled for me, in the end um, I thought it was a lot more freeing because I was able to organize my own session, uh, having never done so before, and have it sell out just by putting up a bunch of obnoxious posters. So I really feel like I learned, um, yeah, that C3 is not like DEF CON, but in a way that's kind of liberating because it gives you more responsibility even though it, it means you have to kind of take charge more. So yeah. It was super cool. And uh, this, I believe, was one of your first hardware projects at a major event like this, right? Yeah. Uh, me, Stefan, Killegeek, and Dean made the build badge of 3063. Uh, a quick project we made together out of some weird random thoughts we had on a Discord server when we were together. And I believe it was one of the most uh, yeah, well-known projects of uh, Congress this year. We had a lot of positive feedback on it and learned a lot from it, uh, hardware-wise, um, presentation-wise, and uh, improvement-wise for other uh, badges we're willing or planning to make. And yeah, it's been a whole road of learning for me from like a day one of uh, planning the first stuff to like having the first we weeks and then regret starting to come in of like why did we do this so late <laughs> till uh, feeling the rush of uh, energy coming from people really giving you lots and lots of positive feedback. And for anyone who wasn't at Congress uh, who didn't see the pictures on Twitter um, the Bill Badge was a super popular badge that's interactive. It means that people are able to basically uh, interact with each other's badges from a distance. And it also allows them to play a game that has a bunch of different Easter eggs and kind of focuses on collaboration. While a lot of other things might be competitive, like this badge project is really interesting and cool because it's more of performance art. It forces people to interact with each other in an environment where there might not be a reason to interact otherwise. And I really like this project because not only is it beautiful, it has a lot of 
really pretty colors and uh, people seem to enjoy being able to capture all of them. That's kind of part of the appeal. It also gets people to interact with each other and develop a story around the story. So we saw all sorts of modifications and takes on the hardware that no one could have anticipated. And that's why uh, if you went to Congress, you probably saw somebody with one of these badges running around either modifying it or trying to unlock some sort of secret. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about why um, why you took on such a big challenge and what the goal was um, for this piece of hardware. Was it just some sort of like product that you wanted people to buy or was this more of a community experiment to see what was going to happen when you put this much work into something that was not commercial? Okay, wait, wait, wait. We are um, going super deep into this right now. Maybe we should just uh, go a step back and f like explain what we are even talking about. So the 36C3 is what we're talking about, the 36 uh, Chaos Communication Congress. And uh, we are traveling with like a bunch of guys. We had our own assembly. Uh, I went with uh, my hackerspace for the first time, put up an assembly, got a sticker box, which is super nice. And uh, one of our project was this uh, this game badge, the, yeah, the build badge. It has the design of the build cipher from Gravity Forts. And uh, yeah, it was meant to be super simple easy to build um, so people can solder it themselves so they also learn something from that um, and yeah just make people interact with a, with them like yeah make it a little interactive badge and not this kind of badge you usually see that is either just made for the artwork or to um, uh, run like weird software on it like that you have to hack the, the software yourself so um, it doesn't do any, like it only fulfills one purpose. You can't reprogram it or anything like that, but that makes it just so simple and straightforward. And uh, people have to think a bit outside of the box if they want to make modifications. One thing also is I've seen badges at DEF CON that go for $80, $120, and they have a fair amount of idea and, and thought put into them. but. Really, they, they don't do that much. What was your price point uh, for selling this badge to the community? Five euros. <laughs> what did it cost you to make them? Five euros. <laughs> <laughs> so this was never a project to make money. No. no. So the five euros were actually our goal so that we can sell it for a five euro bill. So we can say, you know, a bill for a bill because uh, it's a, a bill badge, right? And um, that makes it just so much easier to exchange money because um, we don't have to deal with coins and all that stuff. And um, it's also just makes it way more accessible to everyone. So there's no like there's no reason for someone not to get the badge. This thing is not like eighty dollars or something. Um, like you can't even get food. Like you can't even get decent food on Congress for that price. Yeah. One thing that I also thought was cool is the the badge doesn't come pre-assembled. It's not. You know, you don't just get it ready to go and then you go out and play this game. It's not a toy. You actually have to know a little bit about soldering in order to do it. So this is kind of an experience. You get the badge, it's disassembled, you have to put it together yourself. You can make mistakes, you see your you know, you see your peers making mistakes. So it's kind of like an intense process. You feel like you take part in creating this thing because it still needs to be soldered. So this isn't just, you know, a, a product that people are picking up and running around with. They actually have to interact with it a lot in order to get it up and running. It becomes something very personal, not just because they assemble it themselves, but they uh, interact with people they wouldn't have interacted with before. And uh, yeah, this just makes it a great piece of um, yeah, memory of this event. 
Well, another thing that's cool is also there were multiple chances for people to interact. So they could run around and interact with each other's badges, but you also had a soldering workshop where lots of people were able to come and get their badges so amazingly messed up that they had to interact with each other just to get back to square one. Uh, what's the what? What do you think was the most interesting way someone put together a bill badge? Oh, like, <laughs> we had the one like it started with stuff like putting battery holders instead of on the back. Like we literally specifically wrote on the manual, these should be on the back. People sorting it on the front, <laughs> putting the reverse polarity in, or um, people were like. Uh, put the LEDs wrong or like put the microcontroller like we had a beautiful greatly made uh, manual with the like, uh, pictograms of how everything needs to be placed and then people still putting the, on the 80 tiny uh, 180 degrees rotated or put it on the front <laughs> and yeah it keeps on going you have people uh, who like did the LEDs on the wrong side or Anything you could think of could go wrong. Funny enough, um, the infrared receiver, where we didn't have anything about in the manual other than it should be on the front, 90% of the time went right. I only have <laughs> one call uh, I gave to people like, you can find us on the deck system with mystery hack. Uh, and one person uh, remembered my nickname apparently. So uh, he called me up on the deck system. I was like, hello, this is Briggs answering. I don't know, I expected it was someone else of our group. And it was like, uh, we have this uh, IR receiver, but it doesn't say in the manual, like, how do I need to solder it? <laughs> so I quickly explained it and then they also got it right. Like, funny enough, that was the only part that wasn't really the biggest problem. <laughs> I, I think we should a bit explain how the badge looks and what parts we use, because if someone is just listening, wasn't there, they probably have no idea what we're talking about right now. They just imagine like, a badge. <laughs> so um, is this like 10 by 10 centimeters-ish? I mean, it's specifically, we I rotated it in 45 degrees to fit inside a uh, 100 by 101 millimeter square. So it fits within the 4 by 4 inch rule of uh, PCB production. Um, it's um, a uh, yeah, drawing uh, or more like an icon of Bill Cipher from the well-known uh, kids series or yeah, it's also popular amongst like the, uh, the younger adults uh, for the mystery around it from Gravity Falls. And um, we turned, uh, we, may, we made it as big as we possibly could. We included a RGB LED on the eye of uh, Bill and then it has two hands pointing upwards, which one of them is holding the infrared uh, sender LED and the other one is holding the infrared receiver which is the most important part and then in the lower two corners of uh, Bill we have the on and off switch and the button you use to control it. The rest of the uh, material isn't really uh, is important where it's placed more in the sense of it is there where it is is mainly because of uh, space on the PCB itself. Yeah, so basically imagine, uh, if you don't know the Gravity Fault series, just imagine the Illuminati symbol, but with a cylinder and like legs and arms. It's <laughs> the character in the series is super weird and silly and uh, yeah, just like so random. 
um, but it fits perfectly because we um, when we originally thought of the idea we didn't know which artwork we wanted to choose and so we were looking for something that could fit you know both the IR sender and receiver but also the RGB LED so what which design is great to put an RGB LED in well uh, we already made um, or we already have seen uh, artwork with PCBs that use two LEDs for example for um, eyes um, but we didn't want to put in uh, unnecessary components because it's also less energy efficient then and we want to since we want to make it the game it should be energy efficient right because we want to have everyone run around the entire conference with this so yeah and then this just randomly came up when we were um, brainstorming about this but I think it's it's just great it's silly it's not seri uh, seriously um, like people shouldn't get triggered about this because it's not actually the Illuminati it's just from a kids show and it's very um, it's very catchy um, I heard stories from like people uh, running around Congress didn't get in the joke they were like what why is everyone running around with the Illuminati <laughs> and, and then someone explained it to him oh it's from the kids show and they was, they're teaching they're teaching this to the kids what the fuck is wrong <laughs> okay so there were some paranoid people but um, I think that's fine if we freak them out but yeah basically uh, we only used through hole components so it's really easy to solder and uh, most of the components I think doesn't like it doesn't matter if you put it on the front or the back but you should put it on the back so you see the the silk screen artwork we made. That shouldn't be yeah. The only things you really have to put on the front is the IR send, IR receive, and the RGB LED so people can see your team color and you can shoot other people. Oh, we haven't actually explained the concept of the game yet, have we? Oof. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, basically everything through hole. Um, so it's really easy to solder and everyone can get it. We included a little a little mail. We included a little ma manual um, that says which components go where and uh, how to rotate them and so on. And yeah, you just basically, I mean, it's through hole, right? You stick them in, apply solder and cut off the legs you don't need. Um, yeah. Uh, the concept, like, maybe you want to tell it, like, because you worked in the, pre in the design process. So maybe Probably a better idea. You're able to... Yeah. Uh, uh, tell it to us more in a, a simple manner instead of like we <laughs> so how the how the game works yeah. yeah yeah so the idea of the game is you start out with a random pcb color you don't get to pick which one you want um it's just randomly given to you it was hidden in a piece of paper and then when you power your board on you get a random color and that color can be changed when someone else basically shoots you or you can use your color to change other people's colors by randomly shooting them um, now that kind of seems like the point of the game is to go around and get as many people on your team as possible, but that's not actually the case because our goal is to increase collaboration. So there's all sorts of secrets and other things people can unlock by playing the game and not just trying to turn everyone their color, but by experiencing experiencing everyone else's colors, they unlock uh, certain things that lets the badge do more stuff like the party mode. Uh, so all of that is just designed to both provide like a little bit of a, a twist where people think it's about running around and getting everyone to their color, which is what everyone always does at first. Uh, but then the, in the end, like they don't, it's impossible for them to really win the game and get the badge to do everything it's supposed to do just by playing that strategy. They have to dig a little bit deeper and start looking at you know the design of the board for clues and, and other sorts of things that might be able to make the badge do something other than what it comes with as soon as it just powers on. And that's kind of the point of the game is the deeper you go into it and the, the more you play the game, the more the badge responds and, and does more stuff. 
Yeah, so if you buy the kit and on the piece of paper we include, uh, it says that the goal of the game is to uh, get as many people on your team as possible. There are six different teams. Each team uh, represents a color on your yeah, RGB LED that's on the badge. The uh, PCB color is completely independent from that. You just get a random PCB color. Uh, you also get a random lanyard color. So we did this to make it a bit more um, collectible so that people maybe want to trade. Um, and so it's not so like monotone, boring kind of a way that every, everyone looks the same. Uh, and because people can also sort of some components on the front or the back, they can also make it a bit more unique. Um, but yeah, yeah, I remember there were a lot of people that decided to solder buttons on both sides and they thought they gave them like a tactical advantage. It doesn't give a tactical advantage. <laughs> I sorted mine on the back and then I re instantly regret it because it's, it, if you, if you hold it, it, uh, like it hurts your finger. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, uh, without visuals, but, um, yeah, I saw yeah, the points of the solder, like you have more meat on your thumb. So if the points of the solder, like get into your thumb, it doesn't hurt as much. But <laughs> once it in your like, uh, point pointing finger, yeah, it hurts a bit more those points of your solder. I think that's yeah. the best way of explaining it. So the other thing we have to mention is we were running, a uh, we were running this whole mystery theme. Because um, when we came up with the design, we were like digging into the Gravity Falls uh, theme again, and we noticed that uh, you know in the show there's the mystery shack, but in like I don't know like one of the first episodes the S like the mystery shack it has mystery shack written on the roof, the S of mystery shack falls down. Um, yeah, and and like was it the first episode? If not, like one first of the first or second and. Yeah, it just folds down and then from then on, all the time, it says Mystery Hack. And that's just an amazing name for like an assembly, especially since uh, our assembly name so far was Insecure, which is pretty annoying because it has like a spelling thing, like it has two ends in it. And then people come up to the assembly all the time like, are you from Innsbruck? Which is like a city here. And <laughs> no, it's like it's a great pun if you are from that city. Yeah, I get it. Like that's that would be a great name for a hackerspace there. But no, no, it's uh, Dean came up with it. It's like innovative security or something. I think he wanted to name his company like that or whatever. We just rolled with that name because we didn't have something better. So uh, when we came up with that, we thought you know that's a, that's a great thing. And then we um, mystery hack is a great assembly name. And uh, we rolled with this whole mystery theme, like um, providing this kind of mystery around the badge. So that's why we put, um, I think we can tell that like yeah. there. So, yeah, the chorus so, is over. Yeah, so we put, uh, since we made different PCB colors, um, we made 100 green, 100 blue and 100 black. And then also 10 uh, purple. Uh, purple are like more the limited editions. We got them from Oshpark, they look really nice. <laughs> Um, we put keys on the back side. They are not, it doesn't really say key or whatever, but there is something written on the back side. Like a code. Like, a like code. obviously some sort of code, yeah. 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 So when you go to the website, you can put in the codes. And if you collected all codes, like there are four different codes, you, uh, yeah, you unlock a little mystery. And um, that makes people interact because you can only buy one badge per person and you can only get a random color. So you need to inter like you need to find three other uh, people that have a different PCB color than you uh, and get their codes. So that also makes you interact. 
And then when you have all, you unlock uh, yeah, the mystery on the website, uh, which tells you that there is like a secret um, unicorn, uh, mode. unicorn mode. Oh yeah, what you know, we have to mention that in, on the paper, it explains that the game is uh, you have a team color and you shoot other people to get as many on your team as possible. So in the beginning, it's, um, it creates this competition. But then as soon as people, like more and more people unlock the mystery, they understand that there's more to this badge. There's something to unlock. And that is um, to get on all teams. So when you were, like there's six teams, if you were every color once, then you can turn your badge into the, the unicorn mode. And then it just fades through all the colors. And if you then send a signal, it turns all the other badges around you also into the, the unicorn, but only for 10 seconds. So they still, like, get the rainbow effect and see how awesome it is, but they still have to collect all the other colors. So from, it started out as a competition, but then more and more people find out and start um, yeah, playing together and, and uh, yeah. It became more of a uh, collaborational effort from the whole Congress, because you really saw people uh, coming up to us to, to try and get some information about, do you have any idea on where the purple keys we could find? Because we noticed they're really rare somehow. What I love is you can tell what what phase of having the badge someone was in by whether or not they were running around shooting people or whether they were trying to find rare colors. Because at first everyone would run around and try to turn everyone their color and then they'd, they'd be like, wait a minute, why is no, wait a minute, why are people gathering colors? They'd be like, oh my god, there's another game within the game. And suddenly they'd be coming around and be like, excuse me, I noticed you're yellow. I'm not going to shoot you, please. And shoot me, shoot me, give me yellow. I still need yellow. <laughs> I remember the particular exchange. This lady came by and just got Dean. She, he, uh, she flashed him to red and he was like, I was the last yellow. You just burned your chance to become a unicorn. And this lady got so sad because she didn't even know at first. She felt like she, she killed the last of an extinct species. But throughout the game, the different color factions would emerge again so yellow yeah. would almost go extinct and then the next day it would be back because so they were literally like at the hotel having a night of sleep and then like we were like mm, yellow is dying out and then luckily the morning the people who were sleeping and they had, took the yellow with them to the hotel <laughs> they spawned back and then like you came back at the congress after sleep and they're like wait yellow still alive <laughs> yeah so the color thing was such an amazing effect people were thinking yellow i think also green uh, was like dying out at some points. At least people were like really eager to find their color and told us <laughs> they couldn't. Uh, but there was always like one or two badges somewhere that had it. And as long as no one shoots them, it's still alive. And they can super easily turn a bunch of other uh, badges their color and then it spreads again. And so there <laughs> was never a color that died out. Uh, I think we should mention there were f around 300 badges that we made. 316 uh, to be exact. Oh, okay, nice. And we sold every last one. Um, yeah. yeah. And there were continually people coming by and begging for more badges yes. throughout the conference because they they kept running out and people kept encountering them or seeing other people playing it and they immediately wanted to be a part of the game. In fact, you guys created a Twitter account to kind of like oh, hype yeah. this up and then lead into it and, and dribble out information throughout the, the event so people could pick up on little clues. And but I think I checked and you guys have over 400 followers after oh, God. Congress. 400? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, before we go into the logistics, I just want to talk a bit more about how amazing the community reaction to this game was. Because yes. like... 
people people uh, I don't know where to start there's so many amazing things that emerged from this so we um, we thought of uh, or people were asking like why didn't you put in encryption or something or why didn't you make it harder to uh, I don't know replay attack or um, hack the button or something like you can hack the game pretty easily it's very very simple you press a button it sends out an IR signal it's like a TV remote basically um, but the thing is if if people want to hack it, they have to still put uh, a bit of work in it. Like, it's not super easy and super obvious. And if they put that piece of work in it, I think they deserve to, to have that fun. It just makes the whole thing so much more interesting. And amazing things emerge from that. So uh, I think they won um, a church set up at one assembly. They were like all about the red color. And uh, they wanted to make everyone red. So they were in the beginning of the uh, badge stage, uh, what you described, Cody, that they thought like they have to make everyone red. That's the main game, right? Uh, as soon as we, they, they gathered all the keys for the PCBs, like I think still day zero. They were asking us like, why is there a Lauren Ipsum on the website? Why, why, why? Because <laughs> we, we didn't finish it in time because we were so busy uh, f finishing the badge kits. But as soon as we put it online, the church kind of became... Uh, it stopped and it became more of a community to help other people trying to become yeah. unicorns and unlock the secrets. And then, and then people uh, bought uh, a TV remote that can record <laughs> infrared signals and replay them. And they were going around finding each color so they can replay it and turn everyone a unicorn instantly. So this amazed me. At some point, people in the, in the conference actually went to a nearby store and picked up a programmable remote where you just like point your remote at it and feed it all of your codes and, and kind of map them to different buttons. So people were able to go around and map every different color to a button and then have a remote control that could affect the badge and effectively give them the unicorn mode or anybody else as well. So I remember we saw somebody walking around with, the, with a remote control hitting the badges and we were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, it was literally the perfect way to do, the, to, to do an infrared replay attack. It was just so amazingly simple that it's, the product already existed but we were like we never thought of it no we <laughs> never thought about it. just TV, like tv remotes can record signals like the last day we were we had the meetup and the, we met the guys like afterwards we were we went to the hardware store to get one of those because like it, they're super simple to use and they're like super <laughs> handy Luckily, only one, like only those two, came up with the idea. Because if like more people uh, discovered that this is possible, then yeah, the whole dynamic would have been much different. It's, it's the luck of it, having four days of Congress. Exactly, it emerged on the last day. If it, because if it had happened sooner, you know, people were still figuring out other mystery, like mystery parts of the batch uh, on day two and day three. It was really day four that they finally managed to start cracking some of the more advanced parts. Yeah, day zero and day one was like setup and selling and selling, and then everyone was shooting and um, day two was like slowly like things were emerging and as soon as day three hits people were exploiting the game like as much <laughs> as they could they were like trying to force everyone to do the unicorn and and spreading colors and not letting colors die out so like people try to preserve certain colors and if you go in like walking around different sections of of the uh, halls there are two big halls with like full of assemblies assemblies are basically just like bunch of tables with like people with a common interest or something and um, depending on where you where you went 
different colors were dominant in that area, which I found <laughs> so interesting. And it's just so fun to just walk from one side of the conference to the other, and you will at least have one or two interactions with someone with the badge. Either they don't notice you and you are trying to like run after him, shoot him, or, or something like that, or they were really eager to shoot you or ask you for, for your color. So it made you interact constantly and... Uh, yeah, that's just it's just amazing. Yeah, the reason the moment I realized the badge was a hit was when I was walking across. I think day it was day two. I was walking across the floor of the Congress, and someone who didn't know that I was part of the the crew that was responsible for the badge was just like, "Hey, excuse me, hello." And I was just like, "Yeah." And he's like, uh, "I see you have yellow. Can I get yellow?" And I was just like, <laughs> "You're stopping me to interact." And I was just like, "Oh my god, this is actually working." Like people like feel like it's a, a like a, a reason to talk to me. Like they feel like it's a reason to start a conversation, and then. I also remember when you're standing in a group of people with badges and they all have different color, there's just something about it that makes you want to flip all their badges yes. to your color. You're just sitting there, they're talking, so, they're not paying attention, you just zap all their badges. I think that's why the there was a meme on Twitter that emerged of just the pure joy of just blasting. Oh yeah, it said something like, if you see uh, if you see a single LED in the dark and then... Uh, Danny DeVito. I started blasting anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then picture of two images, like really shitty, like photoshopped in. Um, yeah, but just like zapping everyone to a color, doesn't matter if they already have the unicorn or if it's the team you like or not. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's just so satisfying to, to like change the, the colors of everyone's badges around you. Well, yeah, and I remember we ended up selling out completely on the last day. And uh, when that happened, there were still people, even though the badge was going to be less fun to take home, that wouldn't get to play with it as much as still wanted it because it had basically become something that people would remember from the Congress. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we sold out day one, but we kept a bunch of uh, badges, which I think was a good thing because we had uh, actually uh, like a lot of special cases where people were like not able to get the badge in time and like um or i don't know have a have a kids that uh, couldn't be there earlier and like really wants to play there like there were some people we could really make happy giving them a badge even though we were officially sold out um we also it was good to have replacement parts that was the whole idea um even for angels, like there were people who angeled like a lot, and then we had a few of the guys from the who came up asking to uh, already make sure he got one. Of like they knew it was sold out at day two, but they came like uh, we're coming to ask for this and this person. Uh, he hadn't had time to visit because uh, he's doing a lot of angel work. Uh, is there any way we could work something out? And then we were like, yeah. these are specifically and exactly the people we uh, kept the badges for. Because they're the people who like, they're the backbone of Congress. So it would be really hard to like, why would you exclude those out of the game while they're supporting Congress? Hmm. Yeah, they make the whole event work out. So yeah, if there is someone that is really working hard and... Uh, he has friends that support him coming like doing the effort uh trying to to yeah, ask us get get a badge for him even though he couldn't be there earlier and couldn't be there now because he's working so hard um yeah we made them like really happy they weren't like asking badges for themselves they were just looking for one badge for that specific person because they were so thankful for for his work so yeah 
<laughs> there was also one one person that got super happy when we got him one of the last badges today like he was hugging us and everything yeah he <laughs> loved the whole theme of gravity falls and he, like, i believe uh when we gave him the badge he started jumping and everything uh, like because <laughs> i i'm mostly the time when we did the like specific sale i wasn't around but this one was the first one that was really excelled about having one and i was like Wow, this is. I have seen like the normal sales and people being happy with it and getting lots of positive feedback, but this is never what I expected because like it brought them so much joy. Like, and we were thinking like, this is just a quick project of ours from out of some weird, stupid ideas we had, and like it worked out so perfectly and amazingly well. Yeah, I think one of the reasons this worked so great is because on Congress uh, there was never like a badge live badge community uh, thing like this. Like maybe small, like in smaller runs, definitely there is like a badge community um, and it's growing, but it's not like on DefCon where everyone has like five hundred badges. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's actually kind of a rare thing and more like a soldering kit, and they are always sold out and hard to get. It's not like there is a badge for every uh, attendee. Um, on camp this year it was different. Camp they always have a badge team, uh, but camp is only every four years, and that badge was what um, most uh, like badges for events like this are. Uh, it's super over engineered using like uh, some new chips and everything. The um, the cool thing is you can hack you can hack it and it's like. It has like a longer support because you can reprogram it and you can use it for other stuff and it looks really nice and it has so much advanced technology in it. But the downside is uh, you really need to put time into it. So it's not just a thing that's like plug and play for everyone. Uh, and that's the, the thing that happened to me too. Like it was fun on Congress, uh, on camp this year. I, I spent probably half a day or the entire day uh, just programming my own apps for the for the batch and uh, sharing it, but uh, after that it was just like eh, I don't have time and like more apps were coming out that were better than mine and more updates and then my apps wouldn't work anymore and that kind of stuff, um, and now it's like in a drawer slowly dying, <laughs> um, and that just makes me sad because um, there's this other like you can you can either do badges like this to hack around. Or you can do badges that fulfill a specific uh, need. And if you uh, if you make a badge for a specific purpose, then just make it only do that purpose uh, and make it as easy as possible and make it as yeah good as possible, like to, as good a, um, interactive as possible, whatever your goal is, right? Uh, and if you make a badge that should be hackable, then your uh, like software and all the supports, uh, everything you need to make people hack it, like the whole support system around it, should be working beforehand at least a little bit. And not like the camp badge where everything evolved through this few days. But I mean, that's fine. That's, I, I get why that is, uh, the whole logistics around it. But yeah, and there was um, a badge like, what we did was that it's only for a specific purpose. And I think that never happened on Congress like this before, not on that scale even though it was only 300. Um, and yeah, people were so happy because I think they never had such a game before. Yeah, I think you told Cody that on DEFCON, the QueerCon badge or something? 
they yeah. do like stuff like this. Yeah, so when I first started going to DEF CON, I didn't know anyone. And um, one of the groups that kind of collected me and managed to get me introduced to everyone who was important at DEF CON and, and start participating rather than just spectating was QueerCon. Because they have been around for quite some time and their whole existence is centered around getting people integrated with the community of hackers and other people that are like them and are, that are there to support them rather than making them feel alone when they go to the first really big event. So I kind of got just you know thrown into this group of people who were um, working at the conference and involved in organizing and otherwise like really really focused on getting people you know into these cons rather than just feeling like they can't touch them or get involved because it really takes a lot of people to put these on who are willing to organize stuff and, and try to just make it happen. So in the end, um, their badges became a major influencing point in getting that conversion from people who are coming for their first time to people who wanted to make friends and actually start coming back more often because you know they were able to, through playing this game, just have an excuse to meet a bunch of people that otherwise they might have been too shy to meet or might not have had the right opportunity. It was really an opportunity that was created for them by this piece of electronic art that allowed them to you know, play a game and in the course of doing so have the perfect excuse to get over their insecurities or anxieties or, or not having a reason to interact with these people and start making the best thing you can do at these events, which is a bunch of friends who you know understand the kind of stuff you're interested in. And a lot of times you'd see people running around together trying to solve the badge or trying to get to the bottom of the mystery and unlock all the stuff it could do. And really it gave people that feeling of being connected to something bigger than themselves that really like got them excited and made them want to invest in the badge. Uh, I mean, DEFCON badges are always a part of the experience. They kind of they kind of guide and shape the experience by giving a, a, a default adventure for everyone to go on, which is cool because it's a unifying experience for everyone. Like everyone gets a DEFCON badge. It has some sort of story or game or something that you have to do in order to unlock. And usually it's collaborative. But the QueerCon badges take the extra step of of basically preventing you from going at it alone by making it so much more rewarding um, to interact and collaborate and do things that are, are actually the kind of behavior that you want in your community. So the badges are a metaphor for you know how you're supposed to act in your community. Like, uh, and that's why I was really inspired by seeing things that were basically you know performance art as design. You have a giant group of people you're influencing by the way you're designing this product, and the way that they interact with it is really the 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 fruition of, of all this design. It's like the, the physical product's great, but the way that people interact with it, that's the thing that's really hard to make predictable. And what I was impressed by is, is you two managed to make you know, this predictable um, like by creating something that people responded to the way you were anticipating. I mean, not exactly, obviously. You didn't think they were going to grab remote controls. You knew <laughs> you were hoping anyway that they were going to dig deeper into this and find a reason to play this game aside from, you know, this thing has the functionality of a very cheap laser, <laughs> like a like laser tag toy you could buy from the dollar store. That's not important. What, what was important was it gave people a common experience that they can all share. And that's, you know, I feel like what's behind like all these like popular memes and other like cultural things that come out of Congress. It, it's about a reason to come together to do something great. Um, so this was just another metaphor for people kind of behaving in that way. And I think that that's why it resonated so well with the crowd and the community was because it's exactly what they're there for. Yeah. And like, it's like, as you said, the DEF CON badges are more uh, standalone and not fu uh, functioning on their own. And the queer cons are more connecting to the community and I think um, Congress already had like a lot of DEFCON type of badges who were like fun standalone and uh, their show of more like the LED and stuff and I think this is one of the first ones we had at Congress for Fires I know to be more like 
the ones of QueerCon to try and connect people and have a reason to talk with each other and try to force, nah, not really force, but to push people a bit more towards some extra social interaction and th to lower the barriers a bit. I just remembered, I said there are two types of badges, one you can hack and one that is like fulfilling a purpose, like a game badge. There are also just blinky badges. <laughs> I just want to say that because you were talking about DEFCON badges and I'm thinking of the Mr. Robot badge, which got like everywhere on Twitter as well, even though I wasn't there. I even have one that has the ESP on it and the creator said like, oh, make it the offer with this. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Oh my god, I had to tell the, the lady at customs, like, what is in the packet? <laughs> like, how do you explain a DEFCON badge in German to, like, a lady that has no idea what everything... But anyway, um, yeah, we also do... For our hackerspace, we made badges that are just... They don't do anything else than just blink, blink around. And those are nice to, for people that just want to solder and run around with something aesthetic. And the cool thing about our badge, it is that you can, you learn to solder, it is something aesthetic, but it's also a game. And yeah, it makes people interact. And I think the, the combination of that, and because it's so accessible, um, yeah, that's why it resonated so well. So if somebody wanted to take on a project like this, let's say that one of the people that played your game who does some electrical engineering was like, fuck, I want to do this next year. But they didn't know about all the frustrations and things that you guys had to deal with. What, I mean, obviously we can't go forever on it, but what, what kind of advice would you give them for starting a project that's supposed to touch a community this way or that's supposed to interact with this many people using hardware? I think for me, at least, the important part was uh, we were a group of four. Uh, me, Stefan, Killegeek, and the Antonios, because like, uh, you have more people to bounce off your ideas instead of just, okay, this is my idea, and like you can't like uh, have a... Yeah, a good conversation about it of like if it's mechanically thought through correctly or because else it's just once you have an idea and it's in your head like you have it try and put it on paper but then other people can resonate with it on a really different other way and like work with it on a different way and not and it will not have like it'll completely take another different route than you wanted it to go but due to we had like uh, the ability to like synchronize it between all four of us we had it has some more force to be consistent across congress and give all the abilities we wanted it to give instead of just be one of our ideas which we drew up and then it yeah it loses some of its strength hmm. yeah we had um we actually thought of more mysteries more levels in the game basically there was this great idea you started at Cody with like spreading diseases. <laughs> I think like something like this is amazing. Um, but yeah, because of time, like our biggest issue was time. So um, basically get, get a team of the right people. That's yeah, the first point, what Brick said. Um, second point is get enough time. We started this six, seven weeks before. Uh, before the Congress and that was way too short <laughs> like every most problems we had all this everyone uh, that asked me uh, like oh why didn't you do it this way the answer is always because we didn't have time um, so uh, yeah definitely like start half a year before or something so you have enough time to prototype and buy um, to source components that uh, maybe you can't 
always source uh, cheaply uh, from your country but you know you need to get them from China and then it takes weeks and then you need to change the design and suddenly you need new new components and you need to buy more and then the bigger your project the uh, more complicated it gets so uh, my next important advice I would get uh, give is uh, make sure you use components that are uh, easy to source, not necessarily cheap, I mean that's an important point as well, but first easy to source, because for example the battery holders we used, um, we got that from one uh, seller on AliExpress, It was there were other sellers having the same battery holder, but those were kind of expensive and hard to find. So there was really just one supplier really on AliExpress, and on AliExpress you usually get unlimited suppliers of whatever you need um, so it was already hard um, sourcing it there and pretty much impossible sourcing it from within Europe or somewhere else um, and the few uh, the few websites we found selling them were super super expensive and then we suddenly had the problem that packages weren't sent out they were not shipped with the uh, faster shipping that we paid for so the seller just like cashed in on the extra money but sent it with the slowest possible China mail package anyway uh, and then it got stuck on customs for weeks until it was released and it was really really closed till the end and it was also the most expensive uh, um, part we could have replaced um, and if we had replaced it, it would have been a different battery holder with uh, that's not through hole, uh, but with cables. And then people had to cut cables, solder it on, and like somehow like hot glue or stick the battery holder so it keeps in place. And it doesn't sound like much, but if you do that 300 times, that's a problem. Like people were unable to solder on LEDs the right way. I'm not talking about the RGB LED, that's a whole different problem. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like very, very basic things, people, um, people make mistakes and you need to make things as obvious as possible. And if we, couldn't, if we didn't get the battery holders in the last minutes, I think that would have been probably our biggest problem. Yeah, um, I believe the latest, the last package of battery holders came in the 23rd or the 24th of December. So, and those two days were also the last two days we had the ability to get the replacement battery holders. Because if we, we luckily, uh, we got a notification from the post office that they were at the post office. So one of our team could pick them up at his local uh, post office. Because else we were like, I believe, uh, 200 battery holders short and we would have we would only have be able to do a run of 220 I believe yeah yeah the thing is you can like there's Mauser, Fanel, uh, DigiKey and other uh, like business suppliers for electronic parts but everything is SMD these days you have a really hard time finding um, through hole components and our whole idea was make it through hole because through hole is so like someone that has never soldered before can solder through hole pretty easy without um, making many mistakes. Um, but yeah, you have a hard time sourcing through hole components from these suppliers. Sure, like resistors, not a problem, but infrared LEDs and infrared receivers, battery holders, switches, that's already really difficult. And if they have it, it's super, super expensive. 
So yeah, uh, whatever you come up with, make sure you have backups uh, where to get replacement parts in the last minute or choose a different part. Just uh, not to rub it in, but if you had had more time uh, to work on this, how much of your budget do you think you could have saved? Oh, that's, a, good, that's a really good question. I need to put. I need to look at our spreadsheets. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> we have a spreadsheet with everything in it, but I believe if we had enough time, we wouldn't do the. We wouldn't have bought the straw head RGB LEDs we had. Oh, straw head. Uh, we bought a bunch of resistors, like one hundred ohm. We didn't use the one kilo ohm. We didn't use because we switched the IR receivers. So yes. we also wasted our money on not only IR receivers, but then also the IR senders, because we also found out that three millimeter IR LEDs are just like completely useless. Never buy them. <laughs> so shit, just throw them away. Buy five millimeter IR senders, like the cheapest on AliExpress. They are better than what you can get in Europe. It's super weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I bought IR senders for like 70 bucks on Amazon in these, in these kits, in each, uh, in each, they come in these plastic boxes, 50 IR receivers, 50 IR senders. We only needed senders and there was not enough time. I ordered them on like the 20, 22nd of December with Amazon Prime and they came the 23rd, which was a Monday, uh, which was amazing. But I had to buy then like six packets of these kits. Um, and yeah, half of the <laughs> half of the stuff that's in the kits is useless because we only needed the senders. <laughs> and seven, it cost me seventy euros. But we could have just sourced that from AliExpress for like five euros. Um, so yeah, probably like a couple hundred <laughs> euros we could have saved. <laughs> Same with uh, the receivers and the resistors. Okay, the resistors weren't that heavy on the wallet, but still. So, yeah, and like uh, even at Congress Day Zero, we found out uh, we used a 47 ohm resistor on the infrared sender LED, but uh, one of the locations where we got them was like a local hardware store, and they accidentally gave us 470. So that would mean no IR sending at all. <laughs> so we. A tweeted out and B we luckily had uh, a Conrad here in Leipzig itself, itself. Oh. so we went there and there was a guy who d and there were people who donated us the resistors so anyway, I think that's actually interesting Cody you were involved in this story so it started with fuck we have the wrong resistors we need 247 <laughs> ohm resistors or the range is gonna be shit uh, what do we do oh there's a Conrad electronics store what do we do? Uh, uh, I guess we call it. Right, so I call them, and this, this business in 2019 hears me speaking English and hangs up the phone three times in a row. <laughs> just hears, hears that it's English and just immediately hangs up. And then we come to find out that the store not only refuses to respond to English whatsoever, it also has no physical way of calling any store. When you call, you get like some sort of call center, and then from there, they cannot actually just call the store and give you a yes or no answer. So the phone is basically a way you can waste some time on your way to the store, yet it doesn't actually provide any sort of parallel service, like checking to see if they might have your stuff. It's only for online orders, which makes it kind of useless, because online you can communicate over better ways if you do online orders anyway. I guess in like 99.9% of the cases, which is probably why there's probably just like two guys in the call center for the entire thing. Yeah, and, and in the there's end, no one speaking English. So and in the end, up. when it came down to Twitter or this local electronics store for efficiency in delivering a bunch of resistors, guess what won? Community. 
Twitter, yeah. Twitter. <laughs> we had the ability, we, we could have just specifically bought 200 uh, of them. We wanted to buy 300, but they only had 200, then they sold out. But like Twitter was even faster to deliver it to us than literally going yeah. to the store. We got a car, Lars drove us there, drove me there. We went there, me with my, like, I'm Dutch. I don't, yeah, my German is just... A hundred percent improvisation, and just rolling <laughs> I've with every it. Dutch word I've I can it. do, and like add a German accent to it. Like, no offense to German so people, but it works so for good. some reason. And I like uh, these resistors. Ich wolle those resistors. form pointing at the book. It sounds. Was like, I'm, I'm an American, but that sounds like a very sick German person. <laughs> it's somehow and he got the packages and I like I verified them and they were good like props to the guy of making proper German out of what I said (laughs) but like they only had 200 so we were like um and luckily, uh, Stefan Sanders and other list of resistors would, that we also work with that wouldn't be optimal. Very close values. Close yeah. values. So we bought another hundred just to be sure. So like we had a bit more badges than specifically three hundred. So uh, we we needed more than two hundred. We needed like two hundred and sixteen or thirty to be exactly. Yeah, we also so, wanted to have some replacements. So, so I just went with the lower one and then like there was one guy at congress he like he had more than 200 and i'm like he has a better supply than a local german <laughs> store which is supposed to hold these yes and uh he like you you called me and be like yeah problem solved we got the resistors and i remember i was at the church the the red colored church they were giving us like i don't know 25 resistors they looked through all of their supplies gathering because they were like super hyped for the game and wanted wanted to help us uh, and and you called me and I was like okay here you have your resistors back uh, problem solved went back to the assembly but you guys didn't show up for like two hours and that was like a really hard time because everyone was like we want to buy badges and we were like shit we have to pack 200 but we were missing a component and at and that so, point we had a bunch of them all ready to go people could see them yet they were all missing a single component to be yes. ready to, to get I think I think we uh, had the assembly line put everything like making the bags already just without the resistor um, and yeah but then luckily uh, a few minutes like I, I can't remember when but like way before you guys showed up from the Conrad uh, someone like randomly without any like announcement or something like he could have just said on Twitter earlier that would have been that would have saved us the Conrad trip I yeah. guess but he just like popped up it's like yeah I saw your tweet you needed 47 on resistors here and he gave us I don't know probably two giant rolls yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how many that were but more than enough yeah. um and yeah, and he was like, "Can we, can we repay you or something?" No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just you can give me a badge if you want. <laughs> so we gave him. We gave like, him of a course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I heard it, like literally, I, uh, I also loved like how you reacted because I called like uh, when I called you when we had them, we needed to go back to the hotel because uh, Lars still needed some stuff, so that's why we were there a bit later. Uh, so I called up. I was like, uh, "Yeah, uh, I have good news and I have bad news." Like, <laughs> yes, uh, the the good news is uh, we got two hundred. We got the forty-seven ohm resistors, and then that was where where I paused a little, and instead was like, but what's the bad news? They only had two hundred, so I have another hundred of ninety-seven, and he's like, 
That's not bad news. <laughs> yeah, your bad news is that we have enough resistors and like backups with pretty much the same value. That's not bad news, no. Um, yeah, we were all pretty happy and everyone was laughing around me when I said that out loud because everyone around me was like knowing about the issue. We were sitting in the uh, standing in the hardware hacking area in that moment and like contact with the church and like people selling their electronics kit in the hardware hacking area. So they all knew about this. Um, yeah, just glad uh, the guy showed up with the resistors anyway, because that saved us so much time packing. Because I think when you guys arrived, we already finished packing all of them. No, or like we, they were all, only the resistors were cut yet. Like I oh yeah, right. Sorry, I forgot and, we had uh, to cut them. Fall. It took forever. Yeah, you, you know, you need to cut the the in like single pieces because yeah, they are coming around. Yeah, guys, specifically went to the Globus, I believe, to buy a uh, a scissor to quickly Who cut. Who bought? Them. That was useless. We had two good scissors with us. Just like Dean didn't know where they are, even though I told him. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> and even Glowel said it in the group like multiple times. Like there is one Binhagen assembly in the box. Just get it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a bit chaotic. It Communication worked. always works straight That's away. That's the whole problem with running 300 badges in last minute <laughs> moments. Yeah. So even things like uh, you get 300 resistors, it's not just, oh, now we have them, we put them in. No, you need to cut them. Yeah. Not 300 times, 600 times, because you need to cut one side, then the other. Because we only had this like shitty multi-tool knife. Uh, knife uh, Scissors. Scissors. So it was yeah. like they're not long enough to make the cut in one time. So it was literally just one side, rotate, the other side, rotate, <laughs> cut, 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 yeah. cut. And like, oh. Well, after going through all that and having learned what you guys learned this year, what are your plans to change for next year? No more 80 tiny ever again. Hmm. I just want to get that out. 80 tiny so shit. Don't use them. Why? But I think this also relates to why people can't reprogram these. Because uh, I hmm. think you, you guys really had to push this chip in order to get it to Oh, yeah. It's like running, running at its limits. So uh, it comes with an 8 megahertz oscillator built in. We don't use an external crystal. I mean, why? It's just going to cost us more. Uh, apparently, like we saw other projects use using this without an external uh, crystal to clock it. Um, you just give it power and use the GPA opens, right? Apparently, then um, the thing Including is, we don't have the pins left with the hardware. We chose oh right, to we couldn't even. An external crystal we couldn't even. We had to pull off the high voltage programming trick, uh, fuse setting trick, to be able to add, uh, use the reset pin as a GPIO yeah. pin. So we were using all GPIO pins, but we still needed one to uh, for the button to so like the badge knows when to send the signal to other badges, and that's connected to the reset button, but it's not actually resetting the chip. We are using the reset line as a proper IO pin, and you can do that by setting a fuse. But um, if you want to reprogram it, you need to reset that fuse again. And that's where a high voltage programmer comes in that works with 12 volts, which usually burns the chip, but like there's some magic built into that <laughs> that makes it uh, set the fuses and that stuff. And um, yeah, but that wasn't my biggest problem with it. My biggest problem, I mean, okay, that makes it not reprogrammable easily, um, which is. Meh, you know, but Your it's made for... Your with clocks, right? Yeah, the, I mean, the badge is, like, for f just fulfilling one purpose, so I th I'm fine with, like, people not reprogramming it. Um, it should, like, stay in that state, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, the biggest problem was the clock. So uh, I pro prototyped everything with the Arduino Nano, and um, I had to hack the infrared library, 
so it even fits in the memory of the AT Tiny. That was my first issue. I was like, what the fuck? The library says specifically that it supports the AT Tiny 85. I compiled it for the AT Tiny 85. It's like, oh yeah, using 128% of uh, program memory. <laughs> what the fuck? So I just removed uh, every part that we don't use from that library. <laughs> and suddenly it's like, oh yeah, 50%. <laughs> okay, that's like, uh, yeah, what uh, was expected. And... Um, yeah, and then it just wouldn't work. It would send IR, it would receive IR signals, but just not what they actually are. Huh. And it's super hard to debug this because um, like there is no output. Like we are using all IR pins. We huh. use the we need a pin for sending, a pin for receiving, three pins for the IR LED, and a pin for the button. There is no pin left. So how do you three debug pins it? for the RGB LED, not the IR LED. Uh, yeah, sorry for said IR LED. Um, so I made another sketch to just like put serial in and just put an IR receiver in and I was like freaking out like why isn't this working and it was like in t 48 hours of me in panic mode not doing anything else the entire day other than working on this thing like I, I barely took any any pause or break and in between just working on this and I notified you guys and everyone was turning to panic mode like why isn't this working out because it, it's um yeah, I believe that was like the Wednesday before Congress or something. Yeah, it's about a week before. Um, so, like the worst moment, because all the PCBs and everything was already ordered. Like, we were in the waiting stage of when does everything arrive? And then the most crucial part starts failing. And completely. Like, we can't, can't use this to transfer and receive signals. I was like watching other people's projects, watching YouTube videos. Apparently, people can use it for, the, for that. Uh, purpose, but uh, no one knows why this isn't working because I found uh, old forum threads, I found GitHub issues uh, describing exactly the issue we have, and everyone was just like, Yeah, check if you set the fuse correctly, like, uh, yeah, uh, use, use this library, it's specifically made for that. And I tried to, to hack the program, everything, I tried like everything. I, I moved to from Arduino to Atmod Studio, I, I did so many things, nothing was working out until I find out that. Um, because the the internal oscillator at eight megahertz is just not precise enough. That's at least my best guess. Because um, running it at one megahertz, which is running by default, does not work with infrared. Running it at eight megahertz does not work. You need to clock it at sixteen megahertz, which is basically overclocking, considering that the internal oscillator only clocks at eight megahertz. Um, but there's some kind of trick with the PLL, and I have I can't explain that really. That I don't know enough. Yeah, the clock it. multiplier and stuff. Yeah, anyway, um, that made made it stable. And I found that out just by trial and erroring, like, at 1 a.m. <laughs> after 48 hours of, like, freaking out about this. And then just suddenly I got on my weird prototype um, serial AT-Tiny test setup. I got codes that actually correspond to what I was sending. I was like... Whoa, <laughs> I, we were all on the Discord in panic mode at that moment. It's like, wait, 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 guys, I think it works. <laughs> that was literally, I love that moment. That was literally, I heard, wait, wait, wait. And like, that silence happened. <laughs> Everyone was like, not even like the normal background sounds you sometimes have from the, uh, the background, the noise you have on the microphone. It was dead silence. And it's working. <laughs> and everyone, is this the working or is this something is working? No, this is the working. 
it's doing stuff we wanted to do. <laughs> so it's not just a part that's working. No, it's really, really working. So you're telling me the IR stuff you just sent is going over and getting received the right way we send it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the secret was just clocking it correctly and no one in the fucking internet told us that. <laughs> After searching for 48 hours, the internet is a bitch. Um, don't trust it. And the thing is, we uh, coming back to the question how much we could have saved if we had more time, uh, probably another $120 because we bought 80 tiny 85V uh, chips, V for, I don't know, low voltage or something. They can run at 1.8 volts, but only if you clock them at one megahertz or below uh, four megahertz anyway. And um, yeah, we are not running them at one megahertz like it's supposed to be, because we wanted it, we wanted the low voltage mode so it can run on the batteries longer, because if the batteries, we use two AAA batteries, uh, if they start dying, they they go down like closer closer to two volts until they shut down. Uh, and the normal AT tiny, uh, like in the data sheet, it says that it only works at 2.7 volts. Batteries like two AAA batteries, non-rechargeable, start at three volts. Rechargeable ones are at uh, 2.4 volts. Then, so like using rechargeables wouldn't have been an option considering the data sheet. So we were like shit. Let's get the V version so we can run it in low power mode. And now the only thing to, to get it working was not running it in the low power mode. We paid 120 euros extra <laughs> um, for all the chips. So yeah, there was a lot of wasted money there. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe if it's if maybe it's still better than the other one uh, with this hack. I don't know. We haven't found out yet. We have. We only <laughs> we have this no, one now. We had no time to like try it on other chips, or whatever. And nor did we care, because like we, I had uh, by that time I already had like two hundred uh, eighty tinies back at my home, laying ready for the programming stuff. We were already working out like how how to program it, and then that type of stuff happens. Oof. I'm just so glad like the uh, a few nights before I just randomly uh, like I spent I don't know half like my entire night uh, designing three new prototype PCBs and just directly sending it to JLC have it manufactured in 24 hours and ship it via DHL Express it was a bit pricey but it was totally worth it because I made another prototype for the Arduino Nano I built a, um, a fuse setter using the 12 volt high voltage thing and I built a um, an ISP Arduino programmer. So I had one to program the AT Tiny, one to set the fuses, and another prototype that I could work on with the Arduino Nano. If I hadn't done this, uh, I, I don't know what would have happened because <laughs> we we were relying on that. And day zero, I was I, I had to program the 280 Tinies um, that you brought, Briggs. So that was also a lot of time wasted that we could have just prevented if we used a different chip and just did proper tests beforehand but er, like most of the work were, was done like a week before this yeah <laughs> as we said in the beginning everything came down to time luckily everything we did was still to try and uh, keep everything underneath like our uh, price margin which we wanted to cap up to five euros and we succeeded and like we were so happy like once all the stuff was done and we looked at the spreadsheet and everything was ordered and we were sure nothing would change anymore like 
five euros. We were like really close to the uh, production cost and everything. Like it was almost like one to one. Like the factor changed like minimal, but it just about worked to at least have all the costs of the badge itself recouped and uh, not the develop the, the the development cost yet, but. Uh, Due to some donations and stuff, uh, we also got the ability to cover like those style, those things. I mean, now it's day it's the end of day four. Congress is over, but I remember like two days ago, I think you called me at like two a.m. thirty or something. <laughs> we were just like yeah. home, and you called me it's like Steph, uh, thirteen. Uh, what's the break even point? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You asked me what's, what's the, the break even point, like, Stefan, what? oh, What's like, what break even uh, point in the spreadsheet? <laughs> and which yeah. spreadsheet? The billboard especially where we kept track of everything. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I and think this, around this, this number, and we're like, cool, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't even sold all the badges, but we already got our money back, which was the most important thing. Because it could have been way different if we just fucked up slightly, which was all. This was all so close. Um, yeah. Also, like huge thanks to um, JLC PCB because mm. if they hadn't ge given us coupons for their PCBs and if they just weren't so freaking fast manufacturing PCBs, uh, there no way we could have done it with that budget and Oof. in the time. No, no, that it would be like no, I don't know, ten we, to twelve euros a PCB. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, if we had them manuf look. Um, the price per PCB uh, is like below one euro a piece, definitely. Yeah. Because of the coupons, we basically paid nothing. We paid something because import fees, shipping, and so on and so forth. But it's basically if we bought them ourselves, uh, less than a euro per piece, which would have been fine. I calculated that in from the beginning. But because of the other fuck-ups, the price was rising, 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 rising. And only because we got them for free, uh, we could have hold... We, we, we could have hold the, more, the yeah. five euro mark. Yeah, and uh, if we had them manufacture that just uh, even PCB way, which is another Chinese manufacturer, I checked it and it was like double the price. Yeah. And I, then I checked like a European uh, PCB <laughs> manufacturer <laughs> and it was 10 times the price. Like, ugh. And uh, I remember looking at that website and they're like, Oh yeah, like look, you can save 50% if we say not that we don't manufacture it in 10 working days, but in like 30. And I was like, what the fuck? JLC makes it for a tenth of the price in 24 hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't want to like uh, advertise it too much. <laughs> That's not the point, but uh, I mean, we have to They came out with the sponsoring and like, it's a big deal to, uh, to making the mark of the price and like yeah it but then, really really helped out but then we also have to thank Oshpark, which they gave us 10 of their perfect purple pcbs and which, three of their after darks yeah they're like amazing they, yeah they're the best quality pcbs uh, you will ever see come from Oshpark. and um <laughs> just to give you a perspective of the price jlc sponsored uh, like in terms of money what would have cost it to us uh, like if we bought them ourselves both manufacturers sponsored us the same amount, so to say, but uh, <laughs> JLC, we got 300 PCBs from JLC and 13 from Oshpark. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of the price range we're talking about manufacturing those in like Europe or the US. So um, yeah, it's weird making big PCBs like this, but uh, it's great that we got the purple ones. 
we only had 10, but so they were kind of a rare thing in the game, which uh, just added another dynamic because it was harder to find that last key and just made people more uh, yeah, interact with each other, was more, which was the whole point of the thing. But yeah, so it all comes down to sourcing parts, having enough time, testing enough. <laughs> And if people want to see more about the process of doing this, um, or at least check up on how the badge came together, see what the final form was, where can they find out more about it? Like a website or something like that? Mysteryhack.space. Uh, or I at think Mysteryhack on Twitter. Yes. Because that's the best place, because then if you go back to the beginning, you'll see us like slightly hinting and you can like follow the story a bit more, because like we were really specific on Twitter, like what should we do and what wasn't to give us everything we wanted like the whole secret team we kept going because I believe you, you've completely tracked it like did you think uh, Cody we had like we spilled a lot of stuff or was it slightly just trying to make people eager to, uh, to get to the project we tried to keep it like a mystery yeah I think that it was leaked the details were leaked just enough to make the people who were considering giving up or really stuck hungry to dig a little bit deeper but nobody leaked anything that made it too easy and, and made it so people could just instantly solve it so I think it was the right balance of like giving people some encouragement to dig deeper and then also just just laying it out there for people to do themselves I think it helped that we didn't have that many followers because <laughs> so if, if we did it exactly like we did now again Oof. They, they are, Oof. There are people now so interested in this, they, they like hack all our servers to get my phone. Yeah, <laughs> one time we were discussing about the manual we had, like you read it uh, on one page, it says like how it works. And then we were still debating on like, uh, whether or not should it we leaks. censor it yeah. or not? And then we're like, eh, you know what, screw it. First, within like 25 minutes, someone reacted, infrared laser attack, and we're like, it. We should have re re censored it. Oh no! Oh no! But then we were but still no one like really smart, saw it. so no one really saw it. So we were like, "Whew! We dodged a bullet there." But yeah, if we advertised it months before with like, "Oh, we make an IR laser tech," everyone would have gotten infrared equipment to hack it, of course. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but so it wasn't that obvious, although we didn't really hide it. Uh, I think for next time that's gonna be a bit more <laughs> tricky. Um, yeah, it depends on what our whole idea will be for the next time. But I just... My main um, goal with this was, anyway, that we got... That we make something that is just... Um, that's that, that becomes part of the Congress story. Like, part of the... Like, when you look back at the event, you'll be like, Oh yeah, that was the year they had this cool badge and everyone was running around with it and interacting with each other. And yeah. I think now that the event is officially over, and today we had a great like little meetup. We were actually thinking about making a little talk, a presentation, or something, but that didn't work out just because of all the other chaos. I mean, it's called the Chaos Communication Congress, right? But um, yeah, so we just like spontaneously tweeted out uh, meetup at our assembly at 3 p.m. today, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people showed up actually, and uh, we got a lot of interesting uh, conversations out of it, and uh, it's just amazing how they are all so hyped about this and really want to like keep going with this and make a new batch next year yeah there were even people who uh, saw the tweet but didn't have the badge for like maybe this would be the final chance to still get one and it was it was <laughs> 
And they had luck because we reserved a few for the meetup. I think after we gave like the really last one, we were we were telling like a lot of people this is the last match, but then we keep on finding parts we like, and we oh, like, hey, we still have an infrared receiver. <laughs> uh, do we still have the other parts? Yeah, I still have this. I still have this. Do we have a PCB somewhere? Oh yes. Yeah. Wait, uh, this is one of the non-use development PCBs. We could. These are the same. Okay, hmm. uh, we have another one. I don't know who. I gave my other dev PCB to someone. I don't know who. <laughs> someone has it now, and I hope he's happy with it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, there are probably multiple people now thinking they got the last match, but that's all right. Uh, at that point of time, they definitely got the last match. At that point, they got it for as far as we knew. Yeah. Uh, but I think after we really gave the last match, no one really came. Like No, for some magic reason... The last one was also the last questioned one. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, may, but no, I can't. I can't remember. May, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't remember I someone else. It's been so long. Anyone, the last people that were asking were also really eager to get one. So I feel very uh, happy we gave us to one. Yeah. But then again, like the whole process, like I've learned a lot of this. Like, you had a lot of uh, learning experience in the. Uh, program of this like I designed it so I had like this is the first artwork PCB I made and like it's so good it thank you so still well. so much I love <laughs> to get the feedback from the community because I'm like I have no idea when I started this I had no idea I knew it was possible seeing the DEFCON badges like uh, you tweeted Cody tweeted out like when he went to DEFCON and stuff but I'm like how do they do it like I do not know. So this is just only a copper pour with a silk screen over it and a solder mask and that's it. So no fancy tricks with exposed copper or anything, but still it looks just perfect. <coughs> no, but like, still like a lot of bad stuff now, but what, what, like, if you look at back at the four days of Congress, how were they to you guys? Oh, yeah, wait. How, what did you expect and how did it turn out for you, Cody? I'm very curious. For yeah. Congress? Yeah. Because yeah. um, I expected Congress to be an experience where um, I was a bit out of place because I've never been here before. I expected to not know as many people. Uh, typically, I have a, a pretty big like entourage with me when I go to something like that. So just because of all the other researchers I've made connections with, like I don't have to work very hard to get connected to stuff anymore. That was kind of the beginning of DEF CON. So I was definitely going back to square one, and I had a lot of trouble organizing my own session because I uh, was seeing what you guys were doing, and I immediately wanted to find <laughs> something to stress me out because there wasn't enough stress to go around. Um, so I organized my own uh, Wi-Fi hacking uh, session uh, teaching actually with your deauthor program, but I also didn't get official word back that it was approved until 12 hours before the time slot at 10 a.m. Um, so I stayed up super late. I got everything done. I, I did it the official way we're supposed to do it. I posted a bunch of horrible German uh, oh signs. That the we, posters were the best. Yes. I tweeted them out. I made So I made posters that just... I love long German words, so we just made as many <laughs> of them as, as plausible and just put them all over this warning poster that just looks scary. And there's so many errors in it. There's a lot of errors. In fact, I said the Mastodon space and I misspelled no. Mastodon. It was a mammoth space. <laughs> 
It's not even the same animal. Uh, but either way, uh, when I went in in the morning, I was exhausted. I had three hours of sleep. I uh, walked through the entire uh, Congress space, and if everybody I saw had come to my talk, it would have been half full. So I was like, there's no way anyone's going to show up to this. And I sat down, had about half an hour before, and then it, I looked up, and there were three people waiting. I was like, hmm. So I just took care of them really quickly. I sold them their their uh, microcontrollers and got them ready for the class. And I looked back down, and then I looked up again. There were eight people. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I looked back down, and then the, the line was completely around. I was like, oh, I'm sold out. Like, oh, oh, this isn't going to be me teaching to one person informally. I'm, I've got a class. And by the end of it, um, I think the mammoth space fits... 50 people and there were 50 people in the chairs yeah, yeah. Uh, of which only you know uh like a fifth of them happened to actually have microcontrollers because that's how many people i thought i could hold uh in the class but it was amazing that i could have this idea basically get get put on hold until uh you know 12 hours before and then still do a sold out class on wi-fi hacking and have people react really positively so it kind of sold me on the the idea of like chaos can be powerful like if you can harness it it's just you can't expect the same logical organized approach that works at defcon find the person in charge like get on their good side find out who you need to talk to no, it's no. like it didn't work here you, um you want to get something done you want to change something make something better whatever you just do it Mm -hmm. and you see like you don't always ask for permission you just apply like common sense like should this be good i think and you and if you're like yeah i think this is good this is improving something or people will like this find this funny whatever you just do it and see what happens yeah if you're not sure walk around and get the feel for it get the humor like get what the line is i mean the biggest disturbance i saw there was some lady didn't like um some of the julian assage things that were on the wall and started ripping them down someone else started shouting it back at her and they were separated but aside from that you know everybody seemed to be able to exist in each other's space without pushing each other's buttons even a little bit even yeah. it, though they were substantially different from each other and expressing totally different things and that was a just a really good way of of i guess feeling like I had permission to do things that I would have felt like were totally uh, not for touching if I was yeah. at DEF CON. It's like, this is someone else's process, don't touch it. But in Congress, there was a vacuum that needed, kind of demanded to be filled in order for things to occur. And you really saw the people who were succeeding as just being these people who were able to just kick something off and just get the momentum themselves. You really, if you need too many people to push you on these sorts of things, it, it won't work because there's too much entropy. If, uh, yeah, you know you're doing something right if people react to whatever you're doing. Like, if you hang up posters and the next day you see reaction posters to your posters, you are doing something right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I told you, like, the moment you, you hang up these posters and the way you put them up, not just, just that they are shitty, but the way you put them up. <laughs> you presented it. so obnoxious. Thank you. I would yes. call them visually arresting. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the German wordplay, and you put, like, words and just, like, oh, God, it was so bad. And Graphic so design good. is my passion. It was... It was so good at being bad it was amazing and i knew that i didn't have the skills to make a good poster so i just leaned as hard as i could into creating like an awful german warning poster and then uh, the repetition of just a dozen of them all confronting you as you tried to approach a room it worked it worked yeah that's when i told you like yeah you are now fully emerged into this culture <laughs> like you completely get it you are part of the thing now like there is nothing separating you from this anymore and that was a good moment because that was when I, I felt like i understood what congress was for and why it was different from defcon because defcon definitely has its place it, it's a great place for beginners to go and get connected with their passions and, and see the kind of people that work on those passions but 
Uh, Congress is almost the opposite. It's a great place to go meet passionate people and find out what they're what they're interested in and what they're they're doing. Um, and that I think was a, a definitely a lesson because it requires you to go about experiencing the event in a totally different way. Yeah, and one thing like because it's a bit chaotic, you sometimes don't. Um, if you are new, uh, it's maybe a bit hard to find the right people. Like there are so many awesome people. Like every like you can have like the deepest conversations in like the line to the toilet. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> like the the amount of awesome people that run around there. Um, but it's like hard to connect. Like you don't just want to awkwardly walk up to someone's like, "Hi, how was your day?" Like <laughs> no. But that's where um, I think the badge played a nice role and just like connecting people to yeah. make the the bridge between you know starting conversations. Yeah, and lowering that barrier to entry. So exactly. like just starting that conversation with someone is just a natural part of you know, playing the game or like doing something that people expect to be doing. Yeah, because Congress is providing the um, like the ground for that. The, the fundamentals for that, but uh, not everyone knows how to harness that that uh, special yeah community like vibe that's going around. Not everyone is comfortable or knows how to approach people or whatever. And just put so that, that just, put that vibe on and like live it themselves. Like yeah. you you can see people spontaneously interacting with others around you. It, it might oh not mean that you feel the the clapping like, like. Oh. oh yeah. One well, one spontaneous feature is just you'll hear someone start clapping because they're excited, you know, maybe someone on their team does something and everyone around just starts joining the in the and then it spreads and it just waves of clapping reverberate and cuz if it's an authentic clap people get excited about it. But then if it's a derivative clap or people feel it lacks authenticity, it'll just die out really quickly. So you'll just feel the, the, the vibe of just like if it's a good clap or like good energy, it just reverberates around the room. I mean, it's, it's literal with clapping, but it's also just kind of the way that the whole Congress feels. It's like that energy, like, you know, if you can share it back when you when you get it really strong, like the whole conference is kind of alive with that kind of um, reciprocity. Yeah, I love it. The assembly halls are like... I mean, relatively silent, or is this just this background noise? And because it's so dark, half the time you kind of get a bit sleepy or whatever, right? And then just sort of randomly, everyone starts clapping like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> and like everyone, like people getting up, it's like the whole people hall standing is up, like they're whistling and like it's some moment. Really, the hall really gets its a community voice. Everyone's just one clapping. So and like, weird. It's like such a tiny thing. Everyone's excited for. We don't. You don't even have to know why. No one knows. Some sort no of one joy. knows who started the clap, and the person clapping is startled that it got so loud. It's yes. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> the great thing is we started one entire <laughs> wave once. We we tried multiple times. And there was one time. Friend, I think we yeah. finished all the badges. No, uh, I you came, came in, with the resistors. I came in with the resistors. Oh, yeah, I dropped right. them down. I put my hands up, and people started clapping. I was like. <laughs> and, then, and then it just spread through the entire hall. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, that was a nice little uh, the Congress giving us a sign that like things were gonna be okay. <laughs> also, like uh, best, I, I I don't know what's the best thing, but the scooters, man. I discovered them just today. Really, you saw me driving around. I I finally broke down into the scooters. They go fast, and like in spite of being a little bit dangerous, like they really like <laughs> totally <they're>... dangerous. <laughs> like. <laughs> I saw I saw a, a late middle-aged aged man go down hard on a scooter, and it yeah. was not pretty. Uh-huh. It happened so slow, is what was. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do. 
But no. yeah, I mean, after after I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, these are dangerous." Yeah, but then so the last day, I was whipping around, just trying to get as close as I could to hitting people. I was like, "This is, <laughs> this is great." And then the guy from our hackerspace with the RC car, because they wanted to buy an RC boat to put in the pool that is in front of the entrance hall and drive around, uh, and they couldn't find an RC boat um, because it's winter or whatever. They weren't weren't selling one, so they just bought like an RC car and tried to put it like make it into a boat. They didn't finish it in time, um, but they just had so much fun modding that car to a ridiculous amount, like putting shitty stickers on it. It looks like perf, like it just looks like something from Congress, and like modding blinky LEDs on it so it has um, like the lights on front, but also on the bottom, and it's just blinking RGB. Like everything, everything is blinking RGB on Congress. My favorite thing about that car is that uh, it has a LiPo battery instead of the standard one, so it's like twice as powerful as it's supposed to be. So oh, it like eighteen six fifties, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know what it, what it takes, I think but so. I, I remember that it burns out so quickly that it spins, and that one of the wheels is like slightly messed up. So it, it when it drives in reverse, it goes insanely fast, but when it goes forward, it goes only in a circle. Wow. Yeah, so but, um, heavy, heavy modifications of that vehicle. <laughs> Three times as fast as before, but only in reverse. <laughs> but, um, um, we were driving around with the car for like an hour or one and a half. That's at least what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, it so just doesn't run out of batteries. Yeah, insane. And I was driving around with the scooter the entire time, trying to hit the car sometimes. Which I was just like, yeah, you guys went back to the hotel. We just stayed in the entrance hall, like, scooting around the the, uh, the rocket, the ferry does. Oh, yeah. And, like, driving around with the RC car. And so they were, like, on the, um, on the, on the stairs. Mm. So uh, people weren't immediately seeing where the RC uh, car Got comes control, from. Yeah. And then there were, like... Um, families with like a, a kid or something and then the kid was like <gasps> and they were like looking where where is the controller like is it run, running uh, on its own it's like what's happening the rc car interacted with a lot of people at, yeah. at the conference i remember the the um honking oh my God. the goose the honking. got hit with the rc car and picked it up and just started honking at it directly <laughs> until, <laughs> until he managed to recover it so there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of exploration oh that God. took place with that, How, with that you car. have to explain the goose man yeah so there was oh, a yeah. there was a man on a goose uh, sorry there was a man on a scooter that had a, a goose um beak and he would honk incredibly loudly and steal objects from presenters um i heard him during my talk and i i froze because i thought he was sneaking up on me but he stole a couple microphones some other stuff he's a he's a very rude goose and he scared me once. I was in the tunnel, and he um, he honked at me from behind, and like I wasn't expecting it so loud or so close, or with the Doppler effect as he like whizzed by me. So it was pretty scary. But yeah, he was he was definitely a picture of a. Of I only saw him one once for like a fraction of a second. Same. But yeah. worth it. Like yeah. amazing. Yeah. The level of There's details. so many little things to remember about the conference. It's it's just difficult to like break the it down. Poster culture, the ad blockers, just how everything is named. Um it's just everything. It's, <laughs> yeah. What was your like biggest thing this year? My biggest thing this year, yeah. Uh, this apart from the badge, running the badge. Or, because of course the badge is like the biggest yeah, thing I had this yeah. year, but apart from running the badge, um, I'd say like, um, this year I really got to meet like, 
people who are really uh, yeah they're like uh, kind of heroes to me like uh, I met Arturo I met uh, the guy from One Bit Squared uh, like I don't even remember anymore like who I all met like I, I met uh, Drew from Oshpark and like he showed me a lot of those like I did too. He's amazing. He, he just like he showed me some so PCBs and I was like, I know this is possible. I knew this is possible with like the DEFCON badges, but like I had no idea how this works. And he sh he told me like, oh, it's some few layer tricks and like you like here you have a demo of those things and like he gave me one of those PCBs and I was just stunned at like how beautiful it looks. Like it just had exposed substrate, exposed couple layers and like. It really and like there were other people like at the batch meetup we have we visited uh, which some people randomly was like um, were like oh we should let's do a batch meetup at our uh, assembly so we all went there with our badges and stuff and like I got to meet with a lot of people of the badge stuff and the batch meetup was amazing we I had so many great people no idea anymore with like who all the people were that I talked with but. Like, I saw so many familiar faces from like previous congress or camp, but I couldn't really like I, I didn't knew they were like connected to that. Kind of. Yeah, that or like uh, some people I knew, but I knew they didn't were there or stuff stuff like that. Or like I missed them, and like this year I really uh, took more of the time to be able to uh, like meet people and like really get people to like talk to people and learn stuff. And, like, that was just amazing and yeah what did you miss Cody did you well, well, you went into this like expecting like you had some free knowledge of DEFCON like what after having these uh, four days of Congress like four and a half because you were, were also at day zero there sure. what was the thing you did expect and you hoped for but you missed um I didn't produce much content so usually when I go to an event like this, it's really like people kind of flock around those who have really, really interesting like security tools or really interesting security related stuff. And that's why I'm, I'm usually able to use this as a springboard to find lots of different projects that I can use to feature for you know, the rest of the year. Um, in this case, I didn't find a lot of just specifically security tools, like things that are just meant for hacking stuff. Like I found tons of hardware projects, tons of art projects, tons of things that I, well, I might not have expected and might give me good ideas, which I liked. But I didn't see as much of a focus on security or like uh, actually like hacking uh, in the context that I'm used to. So I wasn't able to find as many of the things that I tend to create content around as I would expect to like DEF CON or like another thing where people are, you know, there's literally uh, just like a track in Black Hat and DEF CON where people demo their tools. And you can just go down and see these like wacky, like weird security tools they've written for all these like insane applications. And some of them are terrible and some of them are great, but in the mix, you get to see some of the most cutting edge, like just like weapons that are out there in terms of like cybersecurity tools. And they're all like developed by like, you know, these really interesting people. And there's kind of like an edge in terms of um, just the, the, the raw, you know, just show what you got uh, that happens at DEF CON that I didn't really see as much at Congress because it's just more of a cultural event. You know, you have art, you have culture, you have security is just one of the focuses. Politics. Is, yeah, politics, exactly. This is more almost of like a, 
like a maker slash hacker um, conference. It's not strictly like a hacker conference where people who are just into art and and hardware and stuff wouldn't be welcome. So I think that's a a really important distinction to make with Congress is, you know, if you're a hardware person or an art person or like a political person that's interested in technology, like all of that is is there. But if you are just looking for the latest and greatest, you know, fucking uh, tools to start hacking stuff, you might not find as much at Congress as you would at a DEF CON or Black Hat just because that's not what it's there for. It's uh, very cultural and just everything surrounding technology in some way. It doesn't even have to be directly or in a main focus. Just everyone that kind of has something to do with technology is like in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, everyone does share the same love of technology and shares the same kind of general attitude. Um, where they think the same kind of stuff is awesome. But, you know, we I did a workshop on um, Wi-Fi deauthing this morning. I was, like, explicitly and somewhat frostily told that I needed to give, like, lots of warnings to people about it because, you know, the other hardware projects were very, very um, benign compared to what I was teaching. So, like, being the, the one teaching the more, like, dangerous of the weapons, like, that were being, like, demoed was a little weird because usually I'm the one teaching, you know, the most beginner ones. Uh, and whereas other people are just doing stuff that like makes me scared to use a computer. Uh, so th- that was a big um, difference. I wouldn't say it was a disappointment, but it was definitely something where I wish I'd maybe found a couple like Next, bright spots. Yeah. Like like Serpentine was a great example of like something that was a, a cool project that I would love to see more of. If I'd found 10 Serpentines, I would be, I would be fucking... <laughs> I would be really, really happy. Serpentine the was the thing from Arturo, mm-hmm. the MicroPython thing that's kind of like a Digispark. But you, yeah, you, it's running a seventy twenty one, I think, a microcontroller that can do circuit Python and a lot of bad stuff too. Yeah, I'll, because I'll of find that. Out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, really cool. I also have one, but I bought it weeks ago. I paid for shipping. I could have just bought it. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> oh. I haven't touched it since then. Um, but uh, yeah. we have all year to find out what we can do with it now. Oh yeah, yeah. look, look now you know how everything works. So next year you can like fully. Go like run with it. Yeah, I mean, this was boot camp. This was me like looking and being kind of integrated into a family that was already up and running, and then like looking at how that family interacts with the the community at large. So I had good role models this year, I think, and that's the reason why I was able to catch up so quick. I think one of my best, uh, ex- like, it wasn't really an experience, but one of the best things that came out of this is also that I brought friends that weren't at this event before and didn't really have any idea of what this chaos thing is about. Uh, they were at the hacker space. They love what we do, and yeah, that was like the first time they they were all like, yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do this four days. Like, I don't know what to expect. It's like, just like, calm down. You will have no <laughs> like whatsoever. You will have no time. You will not see everything. There's like, you don't don't just think about it. You will see when you're there. Cause there's just it's just so hard to convey to someone that wasn't there. But um, they, I just love that they also fully emerged super quickly, and they just they found their project with the RC car and fully ran with it. And then um, I was also uh, was super lucky that we got the sticker exchange on our assembly, so that a lot of people also came by and uh, interacted a bit more. And it wasn't just like a lonely table somewhere, like a lot of other assemblies. Um, but something that actually people like stopped by and also now our sticker box <laughs> we brought it with a lot of cool stickers already in it and I remember like day zero and like half of day one we were definitely the best sticker exchange around uh, other people were running around and um, approving that 
um, that because the other sticker exchanges had barely any stickers and they were like usually just one or two types of stickers and we already um, had like a collection from other events from like years before. We can probably talk uh, about this for ever, oh, yeah. forever. Yeah, and I um, intend to get uh, six hours sleep. Uh, yeah, it's like half half past two a.m. I got a day yeah, four, yeah. and we be... we we need to check out before ten a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's so. no way of getting enough sleep. How how much did you sleep? I had two and a half hours of sleep last night before my workshop, oh, and I planned on sleeping in a wall, but then the wall was full sleeping people so uh, I couldn't don't, don't talk about the wall you you give people bad ideas have you seen the wall no, no <laughs> I should have seen the wall it's like, like I didn't know what he was talking about until I saw it I was like what the fuck but also amazing idea um, oh did they hang like a, a lot of uh, uh, hangmats on top of each okay, other I will, like I will explain that, you later yeah that would have been a lot smarter than what they did <laughs> <laughs> Um, fuck, I, I was, I had something in my head. Now I forgot it. Um, yeah, look at me. <laughs> I think we should just wrap it up, make an ending. Oh yeah, the sleep. How much did you sleep? Uh, I have no idea. I know the first night I, um, we went like 4, 4 a.m. and I woke up Probably okay, 11. this is taking too long. I just want to say I slept four hours, five hours, four hours. I I can't remember. Like probably five hours. It's like not going. I, nev- I, I never. I think I'm never luckily be- enough. I reached a few times uh, the sick hours, but I also already got like uh, some. So I'm having a bit of the flu already. So. Uh. I'm surprised how well I'm doing considering that I'm missing so much fucking sleep. Yeah. I, oh no, you're I mean, I you're just like me right now. You're just like me on a normal week. I've had <laughs> I've had six <laughs> hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, and then like I don't even fucking remember, and then like three like less than three hours of sleep. And that to me is a bad week. Then again you also like ninety percent of the time you run off caffeine and red bull. Yeah, oh my god, I yeah, don't. yeah. No the, the mate the, here was a, oh, a bridge too far. The yeah. only thing <laughs> I drink is soaked on the mate. Through the week the normal things I drink is water, water, water. So like a mate for me is already like yeah, whoa I mean I have I have mate at home but I, I don't, don't drink that much. This is the only this is also the first year I'm bringing two bottles of mate back home. But this is the only moment from no, the in the Netherlands. I'm pretty sure you can find us. I can find them, but like they're not at the local stores. And then I have to do Man, extra anywhere. work. And then I'm yeah, you are. I'm gonna find mate a day schedule now. Well, but LA, I mean, I think LA, you have good chances. Not of that mate. Of like other mate, maybe, but not that one. Oh, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. American edition mate. Yeah, okay, one thing I want to mention is just what the other guys did. For example, David, just like uh, his main goal the entire time was to arrange that bug bounty meetup and just like seeing him go through all this was crazy. Uh, but eventually he also figured that out. And then we had James for the first time with us, who is, uh, like, is he 16, 17? 16. 16. Yeah, amazing. But like how well he... Um, 
he dominated the pixel float. Oh my god. <laughs> like, he did so well just on one of his computers. Like, the mystery hack logo was clearly visible on the me- on the pixel float. And it was like, spammed with literally Three, everything. 3,000 connections of like 3,000 and a half at one point. It's funny because he came in asking like how he belonged here with us. And then by the end, it was like no question that he belonged. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was, that was the same thing. But he's like, for next year, A, we need a better hotel. B, we need some kind of electrocyzed scooter. B, <laughs> oh we God, need more scooters. RGB LEDs. And I C, I need to up, up my uh, Pixel algorithm. He's got great taste. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's, he, he also fully emerged in this thing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and then, well, you, but we all already talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, day four, 2.33 a.m., it's uh, finally, finally, finally starting to wind down. C3 depression is going to kick in tomorrow. Oof. I'm hearing a lot of words like C3 depression, C3 flu. Like, if I'd known about this before signing <laughs> up, like, I didn't know that there were so many side effects. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In yeah, general, you have Congress flu, but that's, uh, like, you, you'll probably also I have never had it. I never had it. I don't know. It's just a thing with the Dutch guys. So. I don't touch people that much so maybe that's a good yeah. that's a good advice generally yeah. <laughs> no like I know I have always in my life I have some up and down going with flu and stuff like I'm fairly prone to getting it because officially I have chronological flu have you tried a vaccine yeah but like uh, they chronological mutate. flu just means time flu you have the time traveling flu no. Um, what is going on? What's the Dutch word for? Like chronic flu. Oh, chronic! I thought you said chronological flu. No, like, chronic, like chronic flu. Like, I like time that's like that's stalking, or like uh, flu that's stalking you through time. No, like the term. I literally have flu. And chronically. I always comes chronically. Back. Right. Okay, yeah. I got it. That's. I mean, damn, that doesn't even make sense. But holy shit, that's. No, I believe that's it. The guy said like I went to some special doctor and whatever. Like, it isn't official medicine because like. It semi does exist, but it also doesn't exist. So you have like the mm. the but Sturdinger's like cat. Highly mis- mis- mystery flu. Mystery flu. <laughs> yeah, I'm highly prone to flu, but that's why I'm like the Congress flu. But like then again, like the oh few God. days before, I was slightly sickish, and then I got up, and then one of the guys in my room also had the flu, and then like it was like a baseball bat into my health system, and I like. I, I've just noticed since I've got to hear people cough like directly in my face sometimes without. Oh no! I, I'm <laughs> I don't know really. What um, I don't know what that's about. Okay. Yeah. You. This is not going in a good direction. <laughs> it was like a really happy podcast, and now it's like people dying. I, we can cut this stuff out, right? <laughs> no. But don't worry. I'm sure that the depression and the flu won't happen to you. Yeah, These side so effects are rare and only happen to two percent of conference goers. So yes. I'm sure you'll have a great time with no side effects. Yeah. Try conference C- today. C three depression is like. It it'll for us it's like ninety percent of the time to have another big event like this. It's a year. Sounds like you just need your hit. It sounds yeah. like you, yeah. you're addicted yes. and you're just yes. jonesing for this your next hacker This is why I started the yeah. hackerspace. Yeah. This is because you couldn't I need get your supply. It's like, okay, I got the martyr, but it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interesting how you how you were doing. After camp, the other guys were like, okay, we're not really depressed, but we're like really bored. Because <laughs> you had like 
four or five days of like excitement 24 hours and then you go home it's like everything's like, uh. <laughs> like uh. they weren't really depressed they were just bored as fuck I got really depressed though <laughs> so yeah I think it has effects uh, on everyone differently no, I'll see how it is this year because a second con this year I had a lot more fun and like my we can meet people. up in like smaller cons there's the GPN the Gulasch Programmiernacht I know but it's like college and having internships and work. Uh, yeah, come on. You just need to make space for that. It's like, it's really, I was there like just for one day. It's really a congress. Like you get the same, as soon as you walk in, you'll be like, oh, I'm home. It's like the same thing, <laughs> but like smaller. Then we need to like just try and like, I don't know. It's out. it's much smaller. So it's, it's really not the same, but it's also like really the same. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but the, the good thing about the smaller events is the, uh, like the important people still go there, but you have less of other distractions. So it's actually easier to uh, get things like a workshop going or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, it is getting late and I'm going to go to bed. Before I do, though, what uh, do you want to reflect on from Congress? What's like your closing thought? More. <laughs> more? Give me more. Oh, God. More sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that we can agree on. <laughs> yeah, I guess my thing that I would take away from this conference was um, that a lot of the time you feel like you don't belong at a place and it's just because you don't know how to behave, but it's really hard to be able to figure out how to behave in something where so much is going on and so people so many people are so busy but once you jump into something like this it you don't feel like a spectator anymore you really feel like you're a part of something and that's why anybody that goes to these sorts of events like i always encourage you to just take that leap that makes you feel uncomfortable like you know if you want to participate but you're not sure how or like you're hesitating just like it's one of those spaces where taking the leap is almost always rewarding. Um, always. The, the people are, are there to catch you and like kind of guide you and they just want to see you try. And if you have the courage to try, like these are definitely the spaces where people will like lift you up. Yeah, it's in- incredibly inclusive. Like people are always there to help and they... Uh, and then again, even before, if you want to make a, get a bit more insurance before you take the leap, just try and contact some people uh, at Twitter or something. Oh yeah, just click like, over Twitter. Try and you can tweet get... them and like... Be like, hey, would this be a good idea? And like, you need to come up with a really, really stupid idea to get a no. Because like, ninety percent of the time, like, why wouldn't it be a good idea? Because oh. most ideas are like more for con, and then they're like, there are con- things that get a no uh, from the C three nine accounts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if you get a if you get a nine from the C three nine. Then it's a great idea. You should go to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, it's specific nine. So yeah, nine. it's a joke. It's a meme. It's amazing. Um, yeah, we made another episode this year. Although the year ends in twenty four hours. Oh God! Yeah. Twenty four. I don't know. How it's the thirty first already. Because it's yeah, but uh, you see? it's almost. 20 hours. No, oh my god, hours. it is too early 20, to 20. be <laughs> rounding Stinky. like this. Get okay, out of here. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, goodbye. Yeah, I really need to go to sleep, so get the fuck out of my room. Guys. Okay, all right, let's, I'm, I'm What did my... you do to my room? Like, we'll help you fix it. No it's problem. an audio visually. Just audio, put audio, down. Whatever. It's an audio podcast, so you can't see. Put off the microphone. Oh. Thank you for enjoying this episode of Insecure Space with us at the close of the C36 Congress. 
We'll see you next year in 2020. And I'm getting my coat. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, Is this the first episode without David? This is Probably. We didn't mention that. So I'm just kidding. David's okay. David's okay. David's okay. David's okay, okay all right. Like, literally, okay. the last second you hear of the thing is like, David's okay. David's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she should say pause now.